Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man. I'm pointing at the guy if you're checking in via our webcast. It is indeed, surprise, surprise, the Big Dog. Live in studio today. You never know when you're going to get these good kind of surprises. Big Dog and the coach with you up until 11 o'clock. Two guys at a MikeTalkZone.com. Not .net. Not .org. Very important, Big Dog. It's Don't .org. Dot, huh? Don't .org. No. I .org. I have to admit, I .org last week a couple times. I'm over it now, and I think I'm going to give it up for life. By the way, that's one of the topics today. We forgot to mention it yesterday. It really, I'm going to hold you primarily responsible. Yesterday was the first day of Lent, correct, Big Dog? Yes, Coach. And I just want to let you know, I did another year. I gave up something for Lent. We'll get into that. But uh, I've been very consistent the last couple of years. And I did not forget. But I had to admit, I was reminded it was Lent when I went to go pick up the, the newspaper off the driveway. I'm getting the newspaper for the next month. And I saw my next door neighbor. I was like, hey, you missed a spot in the show. Oh, <laughs> happy Ash Wednesday. Wow. I, th- I wow. thought he missed a spot, but it was just Ash Wednesday. Boom. Bang, zoom. Speaking of missing a spot, he mm-hmm. never misses a spot. Our producer extraordinaire, David Olson, right on each and every time on the other side of the glass. Dog and the coach here. We got to uh, talk about what you are giving up for Lent. I got a feeling I remember what it's been the last couple of years, and I don't want to jump ahead a little bit too much, but it might be eminently disappointing, if not slightly humorous to our fans, but we can throw it out to our listeners. Yes. What they have given up for Lent, uh, sports or otherwise. 888-463-6748. What have you given up for Lent? You said 888 like a machine gun. 888. Well, uh, well, you know what? You have to say the number in a way that's easy for people to remember. When you say it, I cannot... I have worked on this show for, what, about two years we've been doing it? Yes, sir. It wasn't until about... Three weeks ago, I did the show by myself that I ever learned the phone number. When we worked together for eight years, it was like a day. You said the the way you said the number before it was extremely easy to remember. Forget that phone number; we don't have to go into it. But I am not kidding you. It took me forever. And I, I ask, I had a look at it. I cannot remember the well, phone number. That you say it way too. You're like eight 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 four six three six seven four eight 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 four six three six seven four eight, and then I'll usually repeat it with a different acronym: triple eight. Four six three sixty seven forty eight. I thought my clarity was outstanding, and I take your insult in only the worst of ways. Okay, well, I'm glad you took it. And before we get into <laughs> what people gave up for Lent, we brought up our, our our producer David Olson. Yes. And typically, I'm very rarely in here. And when David is in here, he's reminded. Oh, by the way, please speak into the mic. Oh, I'm going to send you the headphone in the mail. So we're we're not really busy. I didn't. I've never really got a chance to talk to him and get to know him. We've talked a little bit, like, but not about his career. And I had no idea the amount of pain in the butt he's had to deal with as, as, as being the producer of some of the people in the city of Chicago. And the funny thing is, is like rumors of people who are bad to work with and somebody that you have a funny story about, George Hoffman, it seems to has, is, is continued. I don't want to get Dave in trouble now. Dave didn't say anything bad about anyone. I didn't, he didn't say anything bad about George <laughs> Hoffman. I'm not saying he said that. Okay. It's just funny when I saw the picture of George Offman that that Dave has up in the office. I brought it up. Why George Offman? Because Coach has a a peeve story about him. He told on you one time. Coach and George Offman are working together at a at a very large radio station. First here. of all, for the folks uh, you know beyond the twenty two people that are aware who he is, 
Tell, <laughs> tell some of the internet people might be uh, outside the I Chicago really area. Know. Who the hell is George Hoffman? George Hoffman is a guy that has been on the air in the city of Chicago for as long as I know, and he's every time he's on, I change the channel. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, he's horrible, but I, I have found out later that not only is he bad on the air, he's even worse off the air. And you told me this, Grace. So this coach and George Hoffman are battling for airtime, and I guess about 20 years ago, while you were working in the same station with him, you like left your coffee cup in the studio and he went and told on you a grown man. He's in his sixties now. So he was in his forties. And instead of being like, Hey, John, you left your coffee mug, mug, mug in the, in the control room. Well, he went and told on you. Is this, please you know, tell me. It was a little bit more than that. First of all, Giorgio was a longtime veteran of the station and we were the newcomers coming in. Well, that was so 20 there, years ago. Of course he was a veteran. He was a veteran 50 years ago. That's true. He was a veteran probably five years into his birth, but he was a little bit afraid of us. I don't know why, but he was. And my partner, Seth Marks, very talented young man, reminded me of you a little bit, man, with tremendous potential now in the working world, still threatening at some point to come back in the game. But uh, Seth, our first day working at the, at the uh, score, the sports radio station uh, overnight, and he spilled the coffee. Oh, oh, never mind. I didn't know there was a spill. We had a spillage, but we cleaned it up. See, you, you know, coffee on, me, coffee off. There's yes. a difference. I know I'm a spiller. As a matter of fact, last night I was going to have my first drink in a couple days. Uh-oh. Uh, put some Jack Daniels, the end of the bottle, mm-hmm. put it in the cup, start talking to Lily Lily like, Picky hits the corner edge. He's got one of them fancy cups with the crazy... Clean up on aisle three. Clean up on aisle three. She r- takes the paper towel, cleans yeah. it up real quick. Puts it in a glass, jokingly hands it to me, and I was going to down it, but she grabbed it beforehand. And then I told her I wasn't going to do it. Well, I was. I was going to drink little it. Spillage. Little spillage. Yeah. Little spillage never hurt anybody. So, so, Seth spilled. Yeah, so, I didn't know right. that. So, okay. we spilled. We cleaned it up. All right. You know, big. So, I get a call the next day from the program manager. Oh, I got it. George I, Hoffman, who came in after us, told you know that you spilled the coffee. We have to have the strict rule, blah, blah, blah. You know, hey, that's fine if you want to complain about it. Let us know some of the rules. But talk to us. I'm with you on that. Okay. Day one, talk to me first before going to the higher-up, please. I honestly did not know that there was a spill involved. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd have been like, now that there's a spill, I'm like, yeah, George, talk to them. Don't tell them. But if I, I didn't think there was a spill, and I thought he just went right to the head man. I mean, that's either way, little. I'll still never forget the first day we were on the score, and Seth is uh, highly emotional, again, a little bit more like you, but the very first thing we were on the air, and he had been trying to get on the score for years and years. For him, it was a, uh, you know, major, major thrill. The first minute we're on, he gets up and he starts kissing the chair. And he goes, this is the chair that Mike North sits in. I can't believe I'm sitting in the chair that Mike North is sitting in. And he gives it a couple of kisses and he gets all emotional about sitting in the chair. That's a sports talk host Mike North said it. I didn't think that was the greatest way to open the show, but... Like I said, Seth was an emotional guy. I, I do appreciate a guy that understands the moment and understands how okay. hard it's been to get there. Yep. But you're exactly right. You can't, you can't kowtow and bow down. You got to act like you belong in the moment. Hey. You know, you know what I mean? If all of a sudden you're, you, you know, you've been working your butt off and you're a two guard in the NBA and you finally got a chance to play and you're going against Michael Jordan, you don't be like, hey, I'm playing against Michael Jordan. Guess what? He just dribbled right past you and laid it in. You got to be like, I'm going against Michael Jordan. 
I'm sitting in the seat that Mike Norris sits in. I'm in the seat that, you know, there's a big difference, coach. But I have to admit, when I finally get a large paycheck Mm -hmm. for doing something professionally and like a contract involved, I will drop to my knees like uh, Mm -hmm. Tim Robbins in the part of Shawshank Redemption (laughs) when he got out of jail, when he crawled through the the mile of who knows what, as Morgan Freeman calls it, when he goes Uh through the sewer. I swear to you, when I see that, every time I see that moment, it reminds myself when I make it, that's what it's going to feel like. I thought you were talking, Honestly. I thought you were talking Tony Robbins on his knee for a second. Well, Tim Tony Robbins. Robbins on his knees is my height. <laughs> By the way, I saw this thing on Oprah. I get, I, I stay up all night now watching my phone. I figure I pay the 10 bucks a month for it. So now I'm, instead of watching uh, my 74 inch television, I now watch my three and a half inch phone constantly. Well, what's wrong with this picture? Pardon the pun. Well, uh, you know, I go from story to story. Do you know that Oprah Winfrey is now walking on coals? That's what her life is. Walking on who? Coals. She's following oh. Tony Robbins around. Trying to transform her life. Oprah, you've done enough. Okay, why don't you keep on helping us? I don't think you need to transform anymore. Oprah, so, by the way, uh, David Olson, media critic, movie uh, analyst extraordinaire. Oprah, I believe, made for TV drama or a movie is going to be making her first acting appearance. Not first. In many, many years. Oh, year. many, many years. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah, I forget what the name of the project is, but it is a movie, okay. and yeah, it's her first major acting role mm-hmm. in a very, very long time. And and I and I please don't take this the wrong way, because the woman is extremely intelligent. The fact that she's she was she showed she can act in the color purple and some other stuff she's done. That woman can act. Yeah. And for twenty five years she was acting America. I hate to tell you. She's not as nice as you think she is. That woman is cutthroat. So when she was on air, and I'm not ripping her whatsoever, because she made a difference. Oprah Winfrey made a huge difference, Mm -hmm. a positive difference in many people's life. But I guarantee you, five days a week, the amount of work she put in, she didn't care every single one of those shows. Yet, for 60 minutes of the Oprah Winfrey show, she was right in there. Oh, yes, yes. You know what I mean? So. That isn't her first acting, is all, uh, and I say that as a, it comes off as a backhanded compliment. Uh, I, but I like the fact you brought yeah, out yeah, the fact that she didn't only entertain; she, in fact, with her show, whatever she's like off air. Uh-huh. I'm not sure I agree with you, but she did help a lot of people, help a lot of causes. I'm glad you. Brought uh, that oh, part I'm up. not putting her down as a person. I just, when you have that many demands, and she was one of the most famous people in America. So, like, when you hear all these stories about it, like people who work on Michigan Avenue and they would shut down the stores and she would come in and act completely rude to everybody but a handful of people. You know what I mean? There's a reason why they have to shut the store down for her to, in order to shop. You know what I mean? Because she can't. She'd walk down the street and you got 100 people around her all the time. I have known several people that have worked through her, worked for her throughout the years, mm-hmm. and not a single one has a bad thing to say about Excellent. her. Th- that's that's a good thing. Nobody. Excellent. That, uh, Nobody. That I wasn't ripping her. Yeah. I was just that she's eccentric and she's odd. But if you, if you think all those years of doing that show, she started, what, January 2nd, 1984? Almost 30 years? Yeah, it was something like that. And it was heartfelt. All that couldn't have been 100%. And there had to have been a little bit of acting in there. You know what I mean? One of the great great success stories in American history. It sounds a little dramatic, but I think it is. In American, forget African-American woman and all. She was extremely poor coming from Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And next thing you know, she's 25 years old with a a daily talk show in the city of Chicago on ABC. uh, Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) The Jimmy Carter story and uh, Carmen yeah. Fanzone, backup third baseman for the Chicago Cubs. Three of the most motivating stories that I can uh, recall. By the way. <laughs> Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to bring yeah. up Cubs third yeah. baseman to get you down here. But, uh, oh, the Jimmy Carter got yeah, you that, down. Yeah, that got me more down. More than Carmen oh, Fanzone. The more I learned about my, the... I was trying to think of someone right off. You know, a peanut farmer became president of the United States. But uh, you touched on another little pet peeve of mine. And, uh, again, our phone number here, 
888-463-6748. We're going to get to what did you give up for Lent. Mm-hmm. Definitely coming up. It's a big dog tradition here. And God forbid we actually might talk some sports bulls, victory yesterday, little NHL hockey, college hoop as well. But you mentioned walking over coals. Yes, that's what she's doing now. And it touched a little bit of a nerve with me because my brother got into this as a first as a patient, pardon the expression, and then he became an instructor. Hold on one second. Do you just have one brother, Andy? Is that no, it? No, no, okay. no, no. This is restauranteer brother uh, St. Louis Larry. Okay. Okay, that's right. That's right. But that's St. Right. Louis okay. Larry was actually Arizona Larry at the time in the restaurant business. Anyhow, he got into the whole walking over coals thing. And started to convince, you know, I was about the only one in the family who didn't buy it. But, you know, the whole, you know, I'm walking over hot coals, look at me do it, I'm overcoming everything. And, and, and even got into a thing, I guess, in the presentation where they took a metal pipe, a uh-huh. pipe, and they put the pipe, an extended pipe between two people, forehead to forehead, and through mental concentration, you could make the pipe bend. Honestly. Yeah. Can this really happen? And, and, and you know, and my mom, who is very, very, uh, uh, you know, conservative, very solid, and maybe it's the fact that her son, but she got it. I mean, I did big arguments with my mom. She actually saw the demonstration. Oh no, it actually worked. And I had, you know, try to convince her that no, it doesn't actually work. That is absolutely impossible. But I don't know if you've ever walked over the hot coal I, thing, but to me, I, that's somewhat of a game. I wouldn't do the hot coals. I, I honestly, I wouldn't do it no matter what. But uh, I love that. I, I honestly think that your thoughts. Are actual tangible substance. Well, but they can't bend a, a, a metal pole. But I would try it. If somebody said this is how you do it, I would try it. If somebody said this is how you walk on coals, I wouldn't try it. That's what I'm getting at. Yes, if I, I truly believe in Lucretius, and Lucretius said that your thoughts are actual substance. He wrote seven laws of the nature of the universe. So, and, and everybody said he was a fool. 1800 years later, his first law was proven that everything is made of atoms. What's his name? Lucretius. L e c r e. T-I-U-S, Lucretius. Well, my point is, I would try it. I would try the the the, well, the pole bending thing with your head. Yeah, yes. you'd try it because it's not, not painful if it doesn't work. But I honestly think there might be something to your thoughts uh, being actual uh, substance. Uh, big dog. Yeah, the, you, big I, dog. I know you have all the answers to the universe, don't you, big Coach? Come all on. the answers over here. Mr. I'm liberal am- and open-minded. I am liberal, Whatever. I'm open-minded, Whatever. and I'm also extremely skeptical with people. Uh, yeah, exactly, and I would also be open-minded to see if it would work or not. Okay. That's my point. I'm All not right. saying, yes, it would work, Coach. Okay. I would, okay, let's what, see I'll how it you, does. I'll have you talk to my mom. You Two of you can do lunch and uh, set up a meeting with uh, St. Louis Larry. I love how you always talk about how open-minded you are, but you're so close-minded on so many issues. It's ridiculous. So quit talking about how open-minded you are all the time. Well, I'm not going to quit talking about it. I'm open-minded when uh, when it works for me. But close-minded as far as skepticism, absolutely. Now, how about walking over the coals, though? People that do that, it's got to be some kind of special coal because they're saying via your mind power, via your mental concentration. And they do a whole training program for this, Uh you know, $39.99. Uh-huh. Plus, you know, buy the tapes. Um, but through your mental concentration, you could walk over the coals, not feel the pain, and the feet won't get burned. Again, call me skeptical. I, I don't know how they do that one. That one, I, do, I don't understand that one whatsoever. But I, I do know this. Uh, re, your DNA knows language. And now, for some reason, they were saying that, oh, there's a bunch of junk DNA. I never believed that. First, they were like, you know, we only use 1% of our DNA. The rest is junk. Well, guess what? It's up to 10% of the DNA we use. Now, 90% is junk. Well, there's there's a lot of scientists that said that 90% isn't junk. What a surprise. 
that DNA is, is is not junk. They're finding out that 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 part that we don't understand can actually understand language. So this thing of positive mental attitude mm-hmm. to say and do the right thing to think it actually works. If you're in, if you are those people saying, "Oh, my mom had cancer." She refused to die, and she fought, and she and she lived. There's a lot See, to that. That I believe. There's a. And well, but why is that different? It's come. It's the same. It's along well, the same. It, let me think about that. I now. want. I, is it really? I want you to look something up. Just look up. Just look up DNA. Okay. Just look up junk DNA, and just, I I was searching junk DNA because it just it always baffled my mind. I I'm gonna. I don't want to turn the subject here because then you know I'll totally lose you on on this subject. But <laughs> you know I've always wondered about the history of mankind. And for some reason, we don't have any history beyond 5,200 years from now. And something tells me that human beings have been around longer than 5,200 years. And I've always wondered what happened before. And there's been a lot of times in mankind's history where there's been massive leaps in intelligence. I was just wondering if, like, it was DNA that had opened up and we finally started using more DNA in our brain. That it's all. I'm just I'm th- trying to throw that out there because if you look, there have been gigantic leaps where we went from living in caves, and next thing you know, we're building megalithic structures. Of course, you say that the aliens could not have been built built those ever, so it had been human <laughs> beings, right, Coach? So it had been human beings that built these things, right? It wasn't or, or, aliens. Living beings. Okay, well, the, you get the whole, you know, living beings, living microorganisms versus human beings. So I've really this last couple months, I've really been searching about like this junk dna in, in our mind and it's so when you what, talk uh, about walking on coals or bending okay. or bending metal you look at it mr open-minded as oh that could never happen and if you say that explain to me why there's three structures on our planet all in the 24th latitude that all wow. have the same exact size base that are pointed at the that the star pleades okay and, and the stuff and the stuff they're all ten thousand years old you know my, what i mean my notes today dave i was going to analyze the white Sox starting pitching staff and if they're going to be able to get through the first couple of months and Big dogs throwing DNA in the history of mankind. I mean, so, well, hey, hey, ho, ho. well, no, but, you brought um, up you brought up how silly that your brother is by, th- well, you yes. know, I, 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 there's much more to our mind's capability than you will ever give credit for. It's too bad. I know, no, no, it, no, I, I agree with that. I just don't agree with the metal pole bending. David Olson, a longtime non-skeptic, you had a couple comments there. Dave? Oh yeah, I know how the fire walking works. Okay. Oh yeah, please tell us, please. Yes. Well. It, you're, if you're walking across hot coals, it's not like you're walking across charcoal, which retains the heat. It's like pieces of wood, burning pieces of wood, okay. which they don't hold the heat, ah. okay, because they're burning. So when you step on them, you're mushing it down. You're basically smothering the flames, okay? That makes so sense. It's, it's not generating that much heat. I mean, the trick is if you stand there on them, they Obviously. will burn. Yes. Uh-huh. But if you keep moving, so you're the soles of your feet are thick enough and the people that run this these seminars the whole you know i mean they charge money for this so they mm-hmm. don't tell you that so no they don't tell you that so they in a sense what you're saying here is it's a little bit of a trick it's it is a trick interesting it is a trick yeah and the bo- i mean just say as long as long as you keep moving you're you're not going to get and, burned you're going to probably blister but as long as you keep moving you know boom 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 you should be okay you stand there you'll burn Interesting. Just, just, in case I talk to St. Louis Larry later on today and fire out at him, give me the technicality of that once again. It's not actual charcoals. 
Oh, you know, it, it, it's pieces of wood, which are you know, ba- or, which are basically soft, and they're not retaining the heat like, a, like say, a piece of charcoal. Wood. So wood does not. Re- so when it's, I mean, it's still, it's still hot. It's about 600 degrees Celsius, uh-huh. which is still hot, but it's not like a piece of charcoal, which if you put your hand on a piece of charcoal, it'd burn right through your hand. And you only take like four steps, right? It's like one, two, three, four, and you're off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, there, you, if you walk fast enough, your each foot will probably only be on the coal for about a second, like a half yeah, second less each. Than that. Yeah, less quarter than second, that. Yeah. half second. Yeah. So I, I can, I mean, I knew there was something behind it. And, and for the metal pole, so that's why I would do it. I would see what well, the metal pole yeah, was sure. behind it. I'd be willing, you know, I'd be willing to try it. It's a painless experiment. I'm just very skeptical at it. Let me ask you this. Now you talking about DNA and how much uh, of it we use. You haven't seen, you said a physician like in about 20 years, if. I've been, but I've been to the hospital like once, I'm in the hospital once a year, coach. If you went to a doctor, if you went to the hospital, they were able to check your DNA based on some of your earlier habits. And again, mm-hmm. we're going to get back to giving up for Len here. Give me a rough estimate. What percent of your DNA do you think you've killed off over the years? I don't think I've killed off any of my DNA. My brain cells, liver cells, lung cells, that have maybe been destroyed. <laughs> but not your DNA. My DNA is fine. <laughs> Our DNA is resilient, coach. Hey, hey, how you your DNA? My DNA ain't bad. My RNA ain't good, too. Okay, so I, I think I'm, my DNA is in good shape, Coach. All right, my DNA, I'm not, I'm not messing with that. It's all right. Excellent, all right. excellent. Mm-hmm. So if you keep it scored home, liver cells not so good, brain cells could be struggling, but DNA, you're all good. No, brain cells struggling extremely. Oh, yes, that's, that's they don't. You know, they uh, your cells will replenish beside your brain cells. Did you know that? I did not. Cells all over your body will, uh, especially if you drink a lot of like uh, red juices and stuff like tomato juices and and beet juice, Mm -hmm. your cells will replenish everywhere in your body except in your brain. So remember that. So getting stupid once is stupid forever is the best way I can tell you. For all the kids, keep it score home. Mm -hmm. Little friendly note, little educational advice from the big dog. And again, uh, yesterday. Was the first day of Lent, what is it, a six-week uh, excursion? It's uh, some of the best six weeks you can ever have in your life. Best time to go on a diet, mm-hmm. best time to quit smoking, best time to quit drinking, best time to quit cheating on a loved one or a kind of loved one you if you're cheating on them. Any of those, or you can pick all of the above. Yes. If you yes. really want to have you know a particularly blowout Lent, maybe on like a 40th birthday or 50th birthday. What are some of the things you've given up in the past, Big Dog? Uh, quickly, how successful and or unsuccessful? And then you've kind of changed your policy the last couple of years. Uh, go over that as well. Well, when I was like eight and was an altar boy, and before I learned of the horrors of St. Scholastica School in, in, in Woodridge, oh, Illinois, I, uh, I used to, I was an avid Catholic, and I, you know, I'd get the, the stuff on me every Wednesday. Give up gum. Day three, forget I was. I gave up long gum. Next thing, I just pop one in. Someone gave me at school. Walk home. My mom's grounded me for the rest of Lent because I'm <laughs> chewing gum and I gave up gum for Lent. I, I totally forgot, Mom. It was no problem. So I give up candy. That was no good. I, no matter what I tried to give up for Lent, it wasn't that I couldn't resist it. As I, I forgot that I was actually gave it up for Lent. It would be something that was like really major. Do uh, kids today? I want to say no, but I'm not really involved in it. Do kids today? Follow Lent, give up something for Lent as much as uh, the fine folks of your generation? I, I think there's a lot less religion. Every 10 years, there's less people going to church than there were the previous 10 years. So I would say, yeah, there's a lot less a lot less people my generation are making their kids go to church as opposed to their parents force them. And they're a lot less, you know, it seemed like a lot less okay. all the way. You know, not, and if it's positive that that's true, I tend to agree with you, but it would be interesting if anybody out there would uh, disagree and or agree with the big dog on that, talking uh, Lent and 
and uh, religion with the kids today. 888 The phone number. But So gum, candy. I gave up a, a lot of those. How about in your like, early 20s? Um, it, it was just stupid stuff. Like It would always be some type of food or it wasn't ever an activity or anything like that. No, mm-hmm. then no, in the... And then in my late 20s, I started, I gave up giving, going to discotheques. That didn't work out, coach. <laughs> and I would know I was going even though, so that was bad. And then recently, the last, uh, since I've known you. Give up going to discotheques. Bars were okay. Nightclubs, fine, but discotheques. No discotheques, coach, oh, but that was difficult. What a sacrifice. That was difficult. Tremendous sacrifice. And the, the last couple of years, I figured maybe I could regain my spirituality, my, my uh, love of God and my religiousness if I could actually make it through Lent. So I decided, what can I give up for Lent that I could actually give up? And that you wouldn't forget. And I wouldn't forget. So I gave up giving up things for Lent. <laughs> and for eight consecutive years, I will make, I know I will make it this year. But I, in the first year, I didn't think I would have had a chance. But after I made it the first year, I've been pretty confident the last seven. And this will be the ninth year in a row that I will consecutively actually follow through what I'm giving up for Lent. You're like a Mary Tyler Moore segment breaking out, David Olson. If you can make it here, you'll make it. And now I thought this is like the second or third. This is your eighth consecutive year? Coach, this has been a more well, – Coach and I have wow. been doing this show since morning break. It's And trust me – Eighth consecutive this year? This will be the eighth consecutive year that my mom will call me a jackass. <laughs> my mom, not one of those people that have given up on religion, by the way. Just to let you know, nor anyone in my family. And no she's, one. She's not letting Joel uh, get off the hook with I, that. But again, so I'm you the are – you are giving up, giving up anything for Lent. Yes, and it's and how successful have you been on that? Consistently, I mean, ever all perfect all, record. You know, my uncles, my grandmas, my moms. You know, they're all upset throughout the. Hey, you 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 messed up Lent again. Well, I didn't mess it up this year. Eight consecutive years. You've held, you've held true to your serve. I will not do it. And and trust me, <laughs> eating fish on Friday for the next six weeks. I love fish, salmon, herring. Mm-hmm. You know, you name it, Maki. I'm t- it's, it's good now stuff, you Coach. Me, you, know, you and me may have to stop at a Baja Tacos that just opened up and get me a little uh, fish tacos after the show. Not bad, Coach. As long as there's enough hot sauce on it, I could eat anything, Coach. Uh, a little Cajun sauce? I'll try a Cajun fish taco. I haven't had that, but I'll definitely mm-hmm. try it. Awfully good. Awfully, awfully good. Awfully good. That's outstanding. All right. So, yeah, you got that going for you in it, uh, about six weeks of, of giving up nothing, correct? Yes, and it, it, I, I like I said, normally I w- would not be happy about it, but I am going to be. Uh, I think I'll be able to make it. Now, if you guys know this year, man, anybody out there on Facebook, please go to this year, man, and uh, friend him, especially if you're a Cub man, Cub fan, because there's a lot of good things that are going to be happen. He's given up kosher dogs, a Reddit coach, and basically it's good. So he goes six weeks without kosher dogs. All of a sudden, opening day starts. He can fit in his tights. Yeah, I was going to say then, this. You know, this year, man, he's been around for a couple of years. Hasn't made a lot of public appearance. He's going to get more popular, but. Because this is the year. I will say, this year, man, this year, a few more little rolls around the midsection. And, again, it shows in that skin-tight outfit. Yeah, it does. Giving up kosher dogs, probably a good thing for this year. It definitely is. He definitely does not look as good as he did in in 2009, the first Mm -hmm. year that this year man made the appearance. (laughs) Yeah, he was much better shape back then. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, uh, you know, I went to the Chicago Bulls game against the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know if you're old enough to remember but they used to, back at the Chicago Stadium, have a kind of a this-year man alternative, and he was called Superfan. I do remember Superfan, yes. His name, yes, I think, yes. was Jeff 
Platt, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he started out as just a regular fan, but he was a roly-poly. Uh-huh. He was yeah. a big boy, and he wore the fairly tight white T-shirt, and he would sprint around yes. the behind-the-bench area in front oh, of the it would stands. Be, he would basically right in, because they would always have the chairs along the boards. Yes. And then there'd be a, an aisle. And he would, that aisle right in front of the chairs in front yeah. of the boards, that would, they would go from being a Blackhawk game to a Bull mm-hmm. game. And during Bulls games, that's where, mm-hmm. I, coach, believe it or not, we had season tickets back then. So I, I saw a bunch of early Michael Jordan games. And yeah, that was, believe it or not, the one thing that could get my eyes, the two things that can get my eyes off of Michael Jordan were, uh, super fan and the lovables. So. <laughs> not necessarily in that order, but Definitely I was thinking. Definitely not in that order. I was thinking now that they're at the United Center, they haven't had somebody like that. And Benny the Bull is good. Benny the Bull, by the way, has stepped up his game. I thought Benny was getting a little rusty. Uh huh. You know, right after the Jordan years, I think he was soaking up the championships, getting a little bit uh, comfortable with success. Do you know what? what no, no that's couple not of it. years, Benny has stepped up his game. He's pretty good now. I think in like 99, 2000, 2001, the team was so bad that there was so much focus on him that he just ran out of material. Normally, you know, you'd have one funny thing a game that's 41 games. In the playoffs, you don't have to do anything funny. It's the playoffs. I mean, let's face it. You know, you do anything, you laugh because you're on edge. But all of a sudden, you know, like when you're losing to the 76ers and Allen Iverson who don't even practice by 40 points, you know, and your leading scorer is Pete Myers. Benny the Bull all of a sudden has six or seven commercial timeouts that people are saying, hey, what the heck is this dude going to do today? It's a little different, Coach. I, I, I like it. I think the demise of Benny the Bull, and he's broken out of the slump, I think it was back in the early 2000s when he tried humping ex-center Dalibar Bagarich. I think it was at the end of the third quarter. That, I think, was one stunt too far. Uh, by the way, and that it was the end of Dalibar's career, by the way. It, that. That wasn't a love way to do it. It was no. more of a spite way to do it. There's yes. a word for that. Two words for it. Spite blank. That's what he was doing to Dalibor Dabri. He was not happy. Okay? He was oh, he was longing for longly at that point. I, I, had I great hopes. You. At one point in time, I had great hopes for a 6-foot, 11-inch European center. Dalibor Bogarich for the Chicago Bulls. My great hopes were, of course, eminently disappointed. Now, uh, just to let you know, I was. they have these trap the trampoline people. At the yes. at the United Center, yeah. I tried out for that four years ago and I made it, and I didn't have health insurance. The guy's like, "You don't have health insurance?" I'm like, "No," and he's like, "Well, we we can't have you. We don't offer you that." And we were only going to pay eight twenty five an hour, and I was like, oh, "I didn't know what I was going to do," but I was going to be like the trampoline guy. Well, the ben, I met the Benny the Bull guy. He was the guy that makes the decisions, mm-hmm. so I I know Benny the Bull. The guy's freaking phenomenal, and he was like, "If you get insurance, I'll I'll, I'll have you back and do this." He was going to mm-hmm. teach me how to do all the twists and turns in there. Um, he's like, "We've never had a muscle guy do it," so he's like, "It'd be good to have you." He started telling me stories about previous Benny the Bulls, and uh, you got everybody knows the story about the guy that was the Benny the Bull that was the crack dealer. Oh boy, what was that about? Decade ago? Uh, that was longer than that. That was like yeah. pr- that was like right during the Bulls' first championship, coach. That was a Benny the Bull that needed a twelve month out of the year lens. Yeah, he did not Woo! know him. He did not know him. But wow. let's just say the people that were choosing the Benny the Bulls around that time yep. knew that he was like that. Is the best way I can say that. The the Benny the Bull has gone from a crack dealer to like one of the nicest guys that you like. I mean, seriously, the guy is such a good guy. I forget his name. I feel bad. And I'm, I'm sure it's the same guy because he still moves around and does the same stuff. Well, this yeah. this Benny can go. Yeah, he's I mean, awesome. This, this coach. Benny can dance. He is very very entertaining. Like I said, he has stepped up his game. But the reason I brought it up is I thought. That we could do a Chicago Bull version of this year, man. We'd have to come up with a different. Hold name. up, I had that but idea. But a super fan with the red and black cape and the outfit, I think something like that. I hate to step on Benny's toes, but I think the two of you could work together. 
I mean, I'd be more than happy to do that. Yeah. But the, the, it's not as cool as this year, man. So I have to come up with a Chicago Bull and a Blackhawk one. I got a red cape. Red goes with the Bulls. Red and black, I can wear that for either the the. And I got the red boots, so that that could be a Bull or a Blackhawk thing either. All right, and again, if people aren't sure what we're talking about, if they want to check out this year, man, they can go to our website, twoguysmike.com, mm-hmm. or uh, can you YouTube this year? Yeah, if you, if you YouTube this year, man, you you can find it. It'll, okay. it'll be on there. Or if you go to this year, man, at Facebook, just go to his page, and you can see the videos that he has posted up there. Isn't there a Simon and Garfunkel song about this year, man? Or was that Nowhere Man? No, see, that was the Beatles, and I am oh, okay. Right. By the way, Coach, you said that there isn't there a Beatles song, and no way am I changing the. He's a real this year, man. Isn't that the Nowhere Man song? No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. No, I'm not doing that. That was a good thought. All right, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Real quick, Big Dog, we do got to bring up the uh, fact that the Chicago White Sox are having their first day of practice today. Pitchers and catchers reporting for the White Sox. Not that many people. All excited about the Chicago White Sox this year, quite frankly, but the reason I bring it up, it is the very first day as a uh-huh. head coach, as a manager for ex-Chicago uh, third baseman and a fan favorite. You almost said superstar. Yeah, you're right. He kind of, for he was a Chicago superstar. I'm not, not going to argue about that right he now. Was he a was Chicago a Chicago superstar. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Okay. A great guy, but nevertheless, it's his first time as manager, Robin Ventura, running his first uh, day of practice. Oh, they got legitimately, if you think about the the style they play, a guy that even though Ozzie Guillen was a slap hitter and a fielder and Robin Ventura was a good fielder and a, and a run producer, they both got the most out of their career as they possibly could. Would you agree with that? Those are guys that you can say, wow, they, they got to the limit. You can be satisfied as a fan with that. Yep. So it, it just they got there in totally different ways. So talk about complete opposite contrasting styles going from Ozzie Guillen to Robin Ventura is hilarious. But just as a quick side note, those are the typically the kind of guys that make the best coaches or managers. Yes, and, and I, I mean that what coaches me typically the best is guys that get the most out of their uh, out of their careers. Guys that are had to work and didn't have the great natural athletic talent. Yeah, guys that are above average talent that turn into very, very good ball players. Mm-hmm. You, I love those guys as managers. Those guys that had no talent at all that turn into bad ball players, those end up being really good managers also, the Jimmy Leland's and Tony LaRusso's of the world. But uh, I, I actually am rooting for Robin Ventura because th- that guy is a class act. I've said it many times in Close Encounters of a Shoe Kind. Of all the athletes that I ran into at, at Nike Town, you can say – Oh well, you you only saw these guys for a couple minutes at a time, a couple you know a, a week, once a week, you know, and all that. You you learn a lot about people, the way they treat people that are serving them. And I got Robin Ventura is a class act and a good guy, and I'm definitely rooting for him as much as 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 simply as I can say that. It wasn't just one time; it was many, many times. I saw him go out of his way to be nice to people while he was in Nike Town. It was really cool. He's and, an excellent and, guy. And I thoroughly agree with that analysis. By the way, how people treat service mm-hmm. people is a great window upon or into their character. No question about it. Um, there was a guy we were talking about yesterday, uh, Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. For the Bulls, who you know becomes head coach of one of the great professional sports franchises, he had never been a head coach of any team ever in his life, and he makes that quantumly. Robin Ventura, outside of possibly Little League, and I'm not even sure if he had time to be the Little League head. He might have been like the Little League assistant coach. Has never been a manager before, Big Dog, and here he is in charge of the troops. Is that overrated, or is that going to be a bit of a challenge for RV? Yeah, for some people. 
I would say not a challenge at all. But with with Robin Ventura's personality, it might be. It might be in question. That's that's all that's all I'm saying. It, you know, it, it's it's strange. Robin Ventura, who you know, like has never been in charge at all, gets you know gets a job right away with the Chicago White Sox. And Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Famer, another guy who got the most out of his talent, spends all these years in the Cub organization and just passed up and still has not gotten a major league job somewhere. Who would have thought if you if I would have told you four months ago that Robin Ventura would be hired as a major league manager before Ryan Sandberg? What type of odds would I have gotten on that? You'd have been like, Robin Ventura isn't even searching to be a manager. He wasn't even looking, and Ransdorf calls him up. Meanwhile, so, Ryan Sandberg has spent the last five or six years at the lowest level of the minor leagues, working his way up, yes. being a grinder and being successful. So mm-hmm. he's put in the time. Just That's surprising. You know, just I just thought I'd throw the comparison yes. between the two in there. I thought, I thought that was a, a little strange. No question about it. One of the first decisions, and again, talk a little baseball here, Big Dog and the coach, two guys that are Mike, pitchers and catchers, finally reporting for the Chicago White Sox. By the way, as a sidebar, I want to ask you why the White Sox are reporting five days later. But one of his big decisions early, Big Dog, Chris Sale. Excellent young pitcher for the White Sox. Starter? Or do you keep him working out of the pen? If you were Robin Ventura listening to the show, what advice would you give the young man? That, you know, that's that's extremely hard. And I, I hate to sit on the fence here. I, I'm not in. I'm not in the what do you call it? A. Uh, I don't see how he's pitching. I don't know if he can last six innings. Does he have enough stuff? Does he have four pitches? I don't think he has four pitches, Coach. I really don't think the kid has four pitches. And, but then again, this team needs starters more than they need relief pitching. This team needs a lot. They need a lot of innings. So it's like one of those things where you need starters, but can the kid really be a starter? All I know is this, is he could be a dominant relief pitcher, but do you want a lefty setup man as a number one overall draft pick? So then again, so did you mess up drafting number one? So because of that, do you are you forced to make him a pitcher or just be like, hey, you know what? He's a good reliever. Let's leave him there. He could be – He could be. Uh, uh, why can't I think of the Cubs' best left-handed pitcher right now out of the bullpen? I can't think. Sean Marshall. He, why, can he, he could be Sean Marshall for the White Sox for the next 15 years. And 80 innings in the eighth inning when your games are on the line, that's freaking invaluable. Trust me, because uh, there, there was a couple of years that the the White Sox basically blew a season. It was a 2010 where the bullpen blew the White Sox season in the first month of the year. They had something like ridiculous, like half their saves were blown mm-hmm. by June 1st, and I'll, and they were eight games behind the Twins, and they were out of it. Next thing you know, they, they're the hottest team in baseball in July and August, and they couldn't catch up. I love the yeah. uh, quote from uh, Jed Hoyer. I don't think it was Theo. I think it was new Cub guy Jed Hoyer when they were talking about Carlos Marmao and the bullpen like you're talking about. And, and I think he summed up the frustration of the fans beautifully. I've never heard it put this way. He said something to the effect – of you cannot have a baseball team. You cannot have your baseball team beat the other team for two hours and 20 minutes and then lose the game in 10 minutes. Because, yeah, you know, that that happens once in a while. Every team will be able to deal with it because during that every once in a while, you've done it to somebody. You know, but if it's continual yep. and you're just waiting and all of a sudden, hey, you know, it's the it's the middle, it's the eighth inning, and, you're, oh, your starter's getting tired. Uh-oh, no, please, come on. Don't get tired. Mm-hmm. Please throw strikes. Oh no, he's getting warm. He's getting warm. <laughs> all right, please just, all right, just throw, just get, you know, then after that, it's like you just, just like we were talking about, 
Positive mental thinking can affect your DNA. Your DNA knows language. That might that might sound crazy to people out there. If you think I am crazy and don't care, don't worry about it. If you think I'm crazy and care, you can look that stuff up. Your DNA understands human language. Positive self-talk, very, very important. Let me ask you this. The more research they do, yeah. Does it work in Spanish as well as it does in English? Because Carlos Marmal was giving himself positive self-talk in Spanish, and that didn't seem to work so well. I how he tries English this year. It, it matters all the same way. And by the way, the negative thing works the same way. It actually works exactly the same yes. way. So if you're like, oh, no, this guy is going to get. Next thing you know, when that line drive is hit to you, mm-hmm. it's you think it's hit a lot harder than it really is. It's messed up. So that's why you, it's so true what Jed Hoyer says, Coach. It's There's something to that. I tried in school for a while. I had some brief success on big text tests, giving myself positive self-talk but the self-talk would be in German. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it was I was taking Spanish. So I didn't even understand German, but the positive self-talk helped me out. And, hey, for at least a couple of tests, it helped me through a big deal. You know, to, to, put it, to put it the best way, I, I like that. So, yeah, positive it, self-talk in a language that you don't understand. Uh, uh, Jed Hoyer, <laughs> I, I, we're in a totally two different line, lines of yes, thinking right now. Yes, we are. It, it, it reminds me of like a football team that has a horrible secondary. Okay. Okay. You know, you got, you got a starting quarter, you got a starting quarterback that is phenomenal. It's your starting pitching staff that is phenomenal. You got, uh, hitters that hit the ball at the ballpark all the time. You got a great defensive line. You got everything that you need. You got speed all over the place, steel bases, fielding, whatever, however you want to compare that to. And you can dominate all game, but all of a sudden you get yourself a 10 point lead. Now your team is in trouble because you can't defend anybody. And that's mm-hmm. when they, it's like one of those things where the, the Bears in 1995, they stopped to run all day long. Third. They get a lead. And they see, you know, the worst thing the Bears that, that year was like, I don't know why I brought that or year up. Every all time those it years. was third down and 18, the other team would make a completion and pass you, for 20 yards. And you're like, how did that just happen? Yeah. And now here we go again. And guess what happened? They would blow a lead and it's, it's just like that. Takes the wind out of the proverbial sails. You were talking about Chris Sale having four pitches, and if he does, he could be a starter. Brought me back to my young career, Big Dog, because as a very, very base-level junior high pitcher, I actually had four pitches. Slow? Slower? Slowest? And I can't believe how slow that thing was. four pitches. All four were hit and hit on a regular basis, but I did have four different pitches. Good. That's good. That's good to know. (laughs) Thank you very much. What position did you play back in the day? You were a catcher, right? No, no, no. I, uh, in high school, I played third base and left field. It depended on who was pitching. Ah. So when our when our left fielder was pitching, coach, I went from third base to left field. And then the guy that hardly ever played that could would bat ninth and could catch the ball like in, I, he would bunt when there was two outs and nobody on. He played third base. Interesting. So there, Very that's interesting. Where. All right, couple other quick baseball notes. I noted. Uh, a little thing in the paper today, I thought it was kind of interesting. Apparently, the Anaheim Angels, in their promotion of their new superstar, oh, Albert El- Pujols, they're using the the name and some of the signage, El Hombre. El Hombre. And but, he didn't like it. No, but I was surprised the reason. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? The reason why is he said he didn't want to disrespect one of his idols and a guy that he's grown to love and admire, Stan the Man, Mutual, and obviously, El Hombre is Spanish for the man. And Stan the man played for the Cardinals a yes. long time, but I thought that was pretty cool from yeah. Albert Pools. Uh, Albert Pools is one of the classiest, one of the best athletes on the planet. I am so happy he's not a Cardinal so I can legitimately root for him because, like, the Cubs would have to be bad for me to root for Albert Pools, and still I felt this guilt of rooting for him because he was a Cardinal. But I had no guilt because he's a good guy. He takes, like, he's charitable, legitimately charitable, not like, 
I don't, I don't want to and throw too many as people as under the bus. As big of a superstar yeah. as he is, he's definitely not a publicity hound. Exactly. That's that's my point. He like Jeez. he helps out a lot of people without yep. doing the hey, look, I'm at the child's hospital today. Take the picture and leave. Mm-hmm. You know what he's you know. So I, I really like Albert Pulis, and it's just another another thing. And I'm a big stand the man mutual fan, and he still owns all the Cardinal records, all of them, run scored. RBIs, total bases, home runs, batting average, all of them. He doesn't Utah, own slugging percentage. Top ten, maybe top five, but top ten pure hitters. And when I say pure, I'm talking contact, power, great swing, intelligent. Top ten pure hitters of all time. Stan the Man Musial doesn't get some of the kudos the other guys get, mm-hmm. but I think he's definitely top ten. Nobody can name ten. You could not name nine better. You could not. Ted Williams. Yes. I don't know if you put the babe. Yeah, in. no, no. You don't put the babe in, Coach. Babe Ruth has a 690 slugging percentage. He's number one. Overrated. 690 slugging percentage, the highest. Ted Williams, I'm... Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds are better hitter than Stan Musial. Okay, that's that's I'm those three pure hitters mm-hmm. that I have seen. Roberto Clemente. I just want to let you know, I pure. that's that's. That's on the. That's debatable. Would, that's where I, we're going to debate that not, one. Not put Willie Mays in that category. Love Willie Mays. I would, but you won't. Okay, okay. so I'm gonna. We're gonna. We're, so Clemente and Mays are gonna put in the. And by the way, we have we have a Steve Ritchie online going to talk about his charitable stuff. Talk about charitable stuff. We're gonna we're gonna be talking to Steve Ritchie, who is who is. Uh, He's not holding, of, is he? Yeah, he, Steve he is, is holding. I, mm-hmm. My screen is not lit. I apologize. Does he's been holding all this time? No, just for just for a few minutes. But okay. we're gonna we're gonna have him tie some tiebreakers when we get him on here in about a, in about a minute. But uh, so I just want to. Th- but okay, Mays and Clemente. I would say Mays is, and I would say Clemente is not. Clemente, I would rather have as a ball player because he's the best right fielder that's ever lived. Hank Aaron, I would put. Got to put Henry. Yes. In. How about Rod Carew? Absolutely not. Rod H- Carew. Rod, I would Rod, not say absolutely not. Vladimir Rod, Guerrero. Um, that's a really close call. Vladimir Guerrero is one of the great hitters of all time. One of the best I've ever seen. But, uh, but Rod Carew does not have enough power, Coach. Not yeah, enough RBIs, okay. and he's a bad clutch hitter. He was a bad clutch hitter. I would not even put him in the debate. I really wouldn't. Had a good afro, though. Phenomenal afro. Excellent. Probably Phenomenal the second-ranked afro. afro of his time next to Jose Cardinal. Okay, uh, Jimmy Fox. Overrated. Jimmy Fox, I put him in the in, in the battle. Mickey Mantle. We're talking those are the names. Overrated. <laughs> Rogers Hornsby. Uh, those are like, there's like five guys that yeah, I would put yeah, ahead yeah, of Stan the Man, and that's Ty about Cobb. it. I mean, I no, know. no, I would, I would rather have, I think Stan Musial is a better hitter than Ty Cobb. Okay. And Ty Cobb, one of my 4,191 hits, 367 career average. Mm-hmm. Stan Musial, off the top of my head, look this up if you want to look up the stats. Just, just off the top of my head. 331 career batting average, 475. Uh, home runs, 3,630 hits. What's remarkable about the 3,630 hits? 1,815 at home, 1,815 on the road. By the way, folks, that's off the top of his head. And, and you're the guy that was telling us that your brain cells have been killed by a bad DNA. Just to let you know, the only two players with more total bases in the history of Major League Baseball than Stan Musial are Hank Aaron. And don't tell me... Glenn Beckert, Cubs second baseman of the late 60s. He's very close. Thank he you. he is 1800 on the list. <laughs> Willie Mays. Wow. Let's, let's run those stats one more time. 331 career batting average. Correct. Wow. 475 career home runs. Correct. Um, he has 3630 hits. Yep. This is all. Okay. No. If no. You're watching on the live webcast, folks, you can be verified. The big dog is looking 
at absolutely nothing except his program notes. In fact, he doesn't have any program notes in front of him either. So he's I, I'm gonna, staring at a brown table coming up with these Stan Musial statistics. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm taking a guess on the career RBIs. He either has 1,995, is that it? Then it's 1,896. Split in the middle, 1,951. I shouldn't. I, I, that, that number does not I feel bad. That number does not go into my head. I'm sorry. I feel even worse because my screen was not working. I did not know we had an esteemed guest waiting to talk to us. I deeply, deeply apologize, but uh, without further Joseph ado, Let's welcome him in, friend of the program and longtime charitable entrepreneur and a man with uh, possibly the equally mediocre, mediocre golf game to mine. It's Steve Ritchie checking in on the two guys at a mic show. Steve, how are you? Hello, boys. What's I, up, Steve? Nice it, to talk to you, buddy. When safe? you think of the White Sox, think of discipline, think of fundamentals, and think of Jim Fannin. Ooh, Jim Fannin. <laughs> no, no, honestly, as a white, are you a White Sox fan, Steve? I'm a Chicago fan. Born okay. raised on the South Side, there but I go. like them both. Okay, what, both what, what, what neighborhood on the South Side? Beverly. Oh heck yeah! So South Side uh, Irish brother. I'm glad you were able to make it out of that rough neighborhood. <laughs> Just one. Are, are, so you're a big you're a big baseball fan. Before we get into your charitable organization, <laughs> yep. which is phenomenal, we've done a lot of good stuff with you guys. Uh, you're in a, he's got a new organization yes, coach he that he's involved Absolutely. in. Just just throwing it out there, just trying to break a couple ties. What do you what do you think about Rod Carew being compared to Stan Musial's on the all time hitting list? All time outfield is. Aaron in left, Mays in center, Clemente in right. Oh, okay, but what about well, we, just hitting? We were hitting. talking pure, pure just, hitters. Just Top hitting. Top ten pure hitters of all time. Just hitting. Forget lefty-righty combination. You're a pitcher who would rather be facing Clemente or Stan Musial in the clutch. Oh, man. That's, Am that, I a lefty pitcher or righty No, it doesn't pitcher? matter. Forget it. You're ambidextrous. <laughs> You're equally. Ambidextrous. Yep. Oh, man, that's tough. I would face uh, Clemente. Okay, I'd have to say that Clemente's we, a great please. I would rather have Clemente as a player, yeah. but as a hitter. The oh. ultimate five-tool Those player. Those three guys are probably the best five-tool guys that ever ever produced yeah. in baseball. Mm-hmm. Five are we all, by the way, in agreement that uh, Albert Pujols is on that list of top ten pure hitters all time? Yeah. I think so. Yes. Uh, I in, don't think so. In five years, Steve, he will be because he'll have six hundred. Because he'll have six hundred well, home runs. No, 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 no. I don't care about the stats. Well, no, no. I'm talking about you know not just for one year, but over an extended period of time. Pure hitters, eye for the strike zone, for yeah. average, for power, hitting and clutch. Albert Pujols, he might be the best of the whole ball. He might be the best uh, ever. I, I got to put Gehrig ahead of Pujols. Oh, you know we didn't even Overrated. put. I forgot Lou Gehrig on the. You know Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig. Look at his stats. Uh, as I'm not of, a big stats guy. As of right know, now. But he's, you know, stats, uh, he's got performance. Do you, want, do, you want, do you want to see something crazy about the Lou Gehrig stats? I go by instinct. Facts always bother me. 493 home runs, and he had 1,996 RBIs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. According to this, it's 1,995. Ah! <laughs> 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 oh, the now the big dog can bring off uh, out of his... <laughs> <laughs> Round skullage, Steve, is quite scary at times, but uh, uh pretty cool. Uh, but uh, but I would put Lou Gehrig. That's a great call by you, Steve. I should have put him. Nah, uh, yeah, he's uh, of all time ten pure hitters all time. Coach, yep, absolutely. Coach, what is wrong with you? He come on. He played fifteen seasons <laughs> and he has nineteen hundred and ninety five RBIs. Mm. Help me out of the math. What is that per season? A lot. He had one hundred and eighty three RBIs in nineteen thirty one. It's the all time record in the American League. Okay, yeah. that's that's you can't even. Co- yeah, but the pitcher's mound wasn't raised back then. Yeah, it was. 
Okay. Anyways, can we forget? I do appreciate your your knowledge and you backing me up, Steve. But you know, you were you were, we used to do this thing where swinging for the kids. Yep, when right. And and now you're still doing swinging for the kids, right? Yep. Yep. What is the what's the name of your charity now that's hosting that? It's Voices for Kids in Illinois. Hey, tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's an organization that started in 1987, and basically what they do is they work from a, um, a policy making standpoint to help kids uh, throughout their daily lives. Uh, in and around the school environment. Mm -hmm. um, their whole mission statement and their whole thought process is that if we can get, get kids on the right track from the get-go, then we'll keep them off the wrong track as they grow to be adults. And it's an unbelievable organization staffed by some unbelievably talented women. Um, the president of the organization is a very close friend of mine. I've known her for years. Her name is Kathy Riggs. She's a former state rep from Vernon Hills Okay, and uh, saw the light and got out of politics and and has dedicated her uh, last career to uh, this uh, this organization. Now, are they working, uh, Steve, through the school system, or is this separate? No, this is separate. Well, they work actually, John, in, in conjunction with the schools, but okay. there's a lot of legislation involved. Um, Kathy is, uh, well, actually she's in Springfield this week, but she travels around the country because she's becoming noted for her uh, advocacy towards this and her obviously her, her dedication to it. Um, but... Anything involving kids, and, and, and this is where uh, they believe, and I think a lot of people believe that you know, you, you got to set the tone early. I mean, everybody knows that a personality for a child is set in the early years, mm -hmm. and as a result of that, this is a continuation of that thought process. If we can get the kids on the right track, keep them on the right track, these are the programs that they need to, to be able to sustain that to go to greatness and, and break out of whatever black hole they might have been born into. There, there is no, there, there's no way that it's been proven throughout the history of mankind that the more educated a society is, the yeah. less poverty there ends up being in that right. society, and the more democracy there is in those societies throughout mankind. But the key here, the key is, and I completely agree with, it, is starting. Absol early. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, could you tell us a couple of specific type program examples of what they would do with the kids at the preschool age to get them off to at least the right track? Well, it, it all has to do with, with the programs, uh, John, before and after school um, so that they want to get them in there so that they can work with them as far as building skills, uh, whether it be the, the learning skills. Uh, they want to get them into the after-school programs so they can keep them off the streets. Uh, there's a lot of mentoring programs that are involved with this. Um, they look for uh, ways to identify the problem areas so that the Policies that are being implemented by legislature, both local and national, are something that can really attune themselves to saying, okay, we need these types of programs for these kids to continue the development that have been learned in the early stages. Um, their organization also is, is obviously they look to build networks and coalitions, uh, and awareness is huge because, as with a lot of other problematic situations in, in, in our society, um, there's not a lot of awareness, and as a result of that, what people don't know, they don't care about. And uh, any type of, I always said this like when Christopher Reeve, you know, what did he care about uh, spinal cord injuries before he fell off a horse? Uh -huh. Well, prior to that, he probably didn't care about it at all. But after that, he became, you know, just a huge advocate of say, saying, you know, we need to do something about spinal cord injuries. So it's, it's almost like uh, analogous to, you know, when you have a deadly disease and it hits your family, that's it good. becomes personal. Good and point. that's what this is. Mm -hmm. So we try to get people... And they're trying to get people to say, look, we need to take care of our kids. Just like with, you know, swinging for the kids, the original organization I was involved with, anything mm -hmm. with kids, we need to do. 
What, whatever. And, and again, the organization name, Steve, Voices for Voices Royal? for Kids in Illinois. Okay, and there's a website with that name. There is. There is, and uh, the big dogs got the uh, the link and everything um, for the organization. There is a, um, a golf outing that is going to be dedicated to them on September 13th at Bowes Creek and Elgin. And, and we're going to be posting a link on the Two Guys and a Mic Facebook page, so everybody that's uh, listening, make great. sure to, is, to get to the is link. Is Idris, our cameraman, going to be out at the golf outing uh, taking some videos that could? Would love it. Idris, yeah, will, are you sure about that, Steve? Because I've seen you swing before. <laughs> are you sure you'd love that's seeing why your he golf wants, game on YouTube? That's why he wants. On. That's why you want Idris. That's why you boys are infamous now because of the first year that you showed up with the uh, yes. the speakers and the microphone. Well, we did I, we we did much better announcing than we did playing the the past couple of years. I, I don't ever want to play again. No, Just, we, well, I was we, thinking about retiring you to the to the booth permanently. Please, yes, I would, I would appreciate it if you would. Quite frankly, there, there's a train station nearby. And I gotta tell you, those waitresses will run for a couple dollars. <laughs> Remember two years ago, Big Doug? This is a pretty fancy golf course it yes. was at. I think it was out in not Oak Hoffman Grove, Estates. But, uh, yeah, Hoffman Estates. Hoffman Estates. And right. I brought my, uh, you know, my wooden golf club, but I also put the Louisville Slugger and the floor hockey stick in there. Because when my go. putter fails me, I go with the hockey stick. And the golf guys, he bring, you know, they a fancy place. They, you know, you couldn't bring your own bag yeah. out there. Someone else had to bring, and he goes. All right, who's got the bag with the hockey stick? <laughs> Coach, you were the happy Gilmore of the outing. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I don't know how happy I was by the fifth hole. That's all right. We, I should have had Bob Barker out there for you. Well, I, I got I got the best deal out of it because I had the most play. I had about 150 strokes. Everybody else, had like, everybody else had like 100. I had a lot more fun than everybody else. You got your money's worth. <laughs> and then two years ago, we almost uh, we almost had to practice CPR, Big Doug. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. You know, come I on out. No, got, with Big uh, John. We got two meals, we got a buffet, we got an open bar, we got a lot of fun and, and a lot of camaraderie, and there's a lot of people from all different Excellent. walks of life, so if you can't make a friend that day, then you don't make friends very well. Excellent. We will definitely be getting updates and making sure we get as many once people a month out there. They're, once a month they're going to come to you guys. Sounds good. That Voices sounds really good. for Kids in Illinois. We'll check out the website. We'll pump it up as much as we can, Steve, for Thanks, sure. Thanks, guys. Wish Thanks. you the best. Thank, Thank you. Time. Thank you for the great work that you do. So many wonderful organizations out there, Big Doug. It is uh uh, you know, heartwarming to see some of the great organizations. This sounds like a new one, but it sounds outstanding. Yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, you know what? We definitely got to go to swinging for the kids this year. But he always does it on a day that I'm extremely busy, and he keeps moving it farther and farther away from me. Elgin, oh, David, Elgin do we have a uh, two guys in a mic limo? Talkzone.com limo that could take. No, because I don't like to drive that. I'm taking the train again. That's all I'm saying. I'd, I'd as like long it. as there's a bag of clubs when I get there. Randy Randy Myers got a Mitsubishi Eclipse, and I'm sure you two you can fit what? in the back. As long as someone drives me on there, I want right to drive. Away. Not that I'm going big time on you, big dog, but I need a driver. I won't do that. I don't expect you to do that. <laughs> All either. right, we'll see you tomorrow, folks. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com. Big dog, thanks for coming out. I'm up.